0: Hi, Defense Policy Wonks. I'm TechCrunch Managing Editor Daryl Etherington. This is the TechCrunch Podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about the week's top stories in tech from the people who wrote them. This week, I'm talking to Rebecca Bellin about who's behind the Super Bowl ad aimed at taking down Tesla's FSD tech. And Arya Alamahodia is here to discuss why investors are taking renewed interest in defense startups. But first, I'll go over this week's top stories in tech. Salesforce is taking action in response to pressure from activist investors, adding new, more strict performance measurement for engineering. The company is also putting pressure on its Salesforce, yes, it has one too, to deliver on high targets or else voluntarily leave and accept an exit package. Reports indicate it's also encouraging more return-to-office activity from employees. Added up, this all sounds like the kind of austerity measures big companies are looking at in response to worsening economic conditions. More on TC from Ron Miller. Facebook parent company Meta is readying another round of layoffs, according to a new report. It's unclear how many people might be impacted by this round. The company just laid off 11,000 employees in November. Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg wooed investors and analysts on the company's most recent earnings call by talking about heading into a, quote, year of efficiency. All this is happening while buzz around the metaverse in general plummets, making Meta's big brand overhaul look auspicious in all the wrong ways. More on this from Aisha Malik on TechCrunch. Remember all the buzz about AI-generated profile photos? It seems like the hype was short-lived. According to app data analytics firm Aptopia, the AI photo craze that saw huge downloads for apps like Lenza AI subsided almost as quickly as it arrived. Both revenue and downloads are basically back to pre-Thanksgiving levels, which is when the hype really started to build. Expect this to last until another major leap in the tech arrives to push a fresh wave of artificial enthusiasm. Check out Sarah Perez's article on TechCrunch for more. Longtime YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki is stepping down and appointing Neil Mohan her replacement. Wojcicki became YouTube CEO in 2013 and led the company through the period of some of its most impressive growth. She also faced challenges around content moderation and frequent criticism from creators on the site about decisions on monetization and its recommendation algorithms. Mohan has been YouTube's chief product officer since 2015. More on this from Kyle Wiggers on TC. First up, Rebecca Bellin is here to talk about how Tesla's biggest haters bought a Super Bowl ad against FSD. Hey, Rebecca, how's it going?
1: Hey, it's going good. How about you?
0: Going pretty well. Yeah, we have a lot of news today. It's been a very busy, newsy day. And there's a lot of news this week in the Tesla realm. Now, we saw a Tesla ad during the Super Bowl, but not maybe what you might expect if you just hear those words. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so... Tesla's biggest hater, which is a safety advocacy group, I'm using quotation marks there, called the Dawn Project. They put up an ad during the Super Bowl saying, why does NHTSA, which is National Traffic Highway Safety Association, administration,
0: which one? Administration, I think.
1: Allow Tesla full self-driving. It was actually pretty, it's a 30 second ad and it was pretty intense. It showed, you know, a Tesla driving in certain conditions while allegedly FSD was engaged. And it showed, and I quote, the voiceover claimed that FSD will run down a child in a school crosswalk, swerve into oncoming traffic, hit a baby in a stroller, go straight past stop school buses, ignore do not enter signs, and even drive on the wrong side of the road. But before we go further, I think it's probably worth defining what FSD is.
0: Uh (laughs) Right. Yeah. But I do like that voice. Was that like Accurate to the intonation of kind the of. Ad. Yeah.
1: It felt like real low budget. I don't know. It felt like it felt like a PSA. It felt right. like one of those ad campaigns that, you know, a politician would put up and be like, you know, Mark Mullaney wants to put your children with devil horns. Yeah, yeah.
0: And he wants to poison kids milk every
1: day. Yeah, I don't do you know. want to vote
0: for someone who wants to poison kids?
1: It was very that kind of <laughs> voice, but um. <laughs> so FSD is Tesla's full self-driving system, and just to be clear, it is not fully self-driving. No. It is an advanced driver assistance system. Tesla has two. They have Autopilot, which is a lower-level one, and then they have FSD. So Autopilot is more. Geared towards like highway ADAS—that's advanced driver assistance system.
0: Yeah, like a cruise assist, but like yeah, with some extra stuff like that juice, in a there. little extra
1: oomph. Yeah. yeah, like a little highway braking stuff like that. It's also come under fire for being like hella dangerous. We'll just put the pin in that, but. FSD is their newer version. It's been out for years, slowly increasing in pricing capability. It's now priced at $15,000 for North Americans. And it can do things like auto steer on city streets and kind of like interact with traffic There's supposed to be a version 11 coming out soon. It's been delayed, 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 Mm -hmm. delayed. And that will marry the two in a more cohesive way, the kind of like city streets versus the highway. So anyway, the problem that a lot of people have with autopilot and FSD is the way that's marketed, right? Like full self-driving, autopilot, I don't have to pay attention. And then you die. Or, you know, some people have actually, Mm -hmm. which is quite sad. But yeah, so that's kind of where we're at. So this Dawn Project is a group founded by a man called Dan O'Dowd. And he also happens to be the CEO of Green Hill Software. Mm. It's a company that builds operating systems for embedded safety and security systems that also builds its own automated driving system. So they're like, you know, it's like, okay, he knows what he's talking about, but he's also a competitor. How much do we take what he says at face value? But anyway, he's been going for like a year attacking Tesla's FSD, trying to get regulators to be like, this is not safe. Take it off the road. What are you up to allowing this kind of software to be in what is now about 400,000 cars?
0: Yeah. In a self-professed beta state, like it's not like Tesla doesn't, they label it a beta, right? So they're admitting they're beta testing software that is like they say has the potential to increase safety dramatically, but it also could do the reverse of that. That's the nature of software, especially when it's an automated system, right? So like they're beta testing it on public roads at that scale. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right to point out that he has vested interest. Like that is a very interesting wrinkle in the story, but he's also just like, Tapping into something a lot of other critics are already saying and kind of the general public is a little bit worried about. And then it opportunistically happens to line up with like, oh, by the way, like I already make this other thing, which Mm. is vetted and tested and rigorously deployed and whatever else. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that we can like separate those two things Mm. just for the point of talking about FSD, because it is a bit ridiculous, especially in states like California, where the bar to entry for testing autonomous vehicles is so high. And the ones that are being tested are often kind of at the same league as what Tesla is often saying its cars can do. Yeah. I mean, the only thing they have a caveat on their website that says, you know, you must still pay attention. You must keep your hands on the wheel, whatever. But people buy like Tesla weights that, you know, they put on the steering wheel and it kind of simulates the weight of human hands and gets the system to back off. And it's not like hella enforced. so. Yeah, I don't know if it was this ad or if it was good luck, but you know, we were talking about this earlier today. The news broke that Tesla had to issue a recall of three hundred and sixty-two thousand seven hundred and fifty-eight uh, vehicles. So it's almost all of their vehicles with full self-driving. Right. Yeah, it's pretty wild.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, when you look at the actual details of the recall, it's like every make it's every model that is able to run the FSD software currently, right? So it's it should be all of them unless there's like they just have it disabled or whatever. I don't know what, but it's far reaching. And it's one of those. So Tesla, there's this other detail that we should explain lest we are attacked mercilessly on Twitter so that people understand. Like when Tesla gets a recall like this, a software based recall, their path to remedy is like pushing it over the air Software update. So none of these cars have to go back to the not the dealer in their case, but the Tesla service centers, right? So like we understand that. But this is still massive and the implications are significant because the path to remedy is like to implement a safe version of this. Right. And the standards of that are what I think is the big question here. Cause it, does it mean they can roll back to an earlier version. Probably not. Does it mean that they can add a bug fix, like a hop fix, to a newer version? Maybe? I mean, there's a lot of questions here, but I don't know if we have any answers yet, Rebecca, do we?
1: Not just yet. I mean, the stuff that is at issue is pretty serious. Like, if I could just name off a few of the ways that the FSD-based system might allow the vehicle to act unsafe. They said around certain intersections, it might travel straight through an intersection while in a turn-only lane. It could enter a stop sign-controlled intersection without coming to a complete stop Mm. or proceed into an intersection during a steady yellow traffic signal without due caution. Yeah, so it might not respond well to changes in posted speed limits. Yeah, it seems a little sketchy. It's a little dangerous.
0: Yeah, and it's a lot of the stuff that was portrayed in the ad, right? <laughs> so I think there, it's very possible there is linkage between the two. It
1: right? is possible. That could have been like a big push. I mean, the ad went out. It didn't go out nationally, but it did go out to kind of some pretty important cities. And, you know, mm-hmm. it went out to Washington, D.C. and then state capitals like Austin, Tallahassee, Albany, Atlanta, and Sacramento. Yeah, they're really pushing the regulator approach, like alongside this ad. The DOM Project also took out a series of full-page ads in Politico, and they're running additional TV ads in Washington, D.C. So, yeah, I guess there is really a push to call on the regulators to not let this, yeah, just be a little more strict about this. Uh,
0: right. I mean, it's not like they weren't aware. Like, NITSO has ongoing investigations yeah. into this and many other things, right, at Tesla. but. I think what this changes maybe is the amount of public scrutiny, Mm -hmm. which is what their hope, right? Like, Whenever you see a campaign like this, it's not like they're like, hey, I don't think regulators know about this. Right. Like, regulators are very aware of this. But what they, you need in addition to that is like public pressure. Like, hey, why aren't the regulators doing anything about this? I just found out about this and I'm incensed and I'm going to call my regulators and blah, 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 right? Or my Congress. Yeah. I mean,
1: that could have happened. I have no idea what kind of yeah. like, you know, effort people would have made after seeing that ad to call the regulators and be like, yo, do something. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. And it, for me, it often comes down to, Tesla's sensor suite right it comes down to Tesla's like hard and fast rule like we are a vision only approach company I I, sometimes I troll like a Tesla Reddit or not troll sorry I lurk on a Tesla (laughs) subreddit page just to see what people are complaining about and one of the things someone posted recently was that yeah like their FSD system started malfunctioning and the the dealer said oh it was a sunny day
0: wow okay that's, yeah, and I'm just like what's the remedy then?
1: <laughs> isn't that the isn't that ideal conditions for testing <laughs> autonomous vehicles? You know what I mean. Like it's just, it, I think that the camera only approach, whereas anyone else pursuing kind of automated driving systems, they'll they'll do a, a mix of sensors. They'll do camera. They'll do radar. They'll do lidar, mm-hmm. which is you know often helpful for kind of quote seeing farther distances and yeah, and kind of just getting a sense of the environment. That's not just based on cameras, which can be covered in dirt and obstructed by sunlight and what have you. Yeah, I think that their approach has been a valiant one. It's probably led to a lot of really interesting neural networks to kind of train the system. But is it safe enough right now? That's unclear.
0: Yeah, I think the goal is like in a purely academic sense – noble. I'm saying this with so many caveats because I feel bad even articulating it in this way. But like I think the goal of that Musk has of like, oh well, we're trying to replicate a human driver and a human driver only relies on optical systems. So therefore our system should only rely on optical systems is like interesting academically, right? And like yeah. from a scientific and research perspective, like great, that's a great thing to pursue. But to do it in situ with like live cars yeah. and real people seems massively irresponsible when all those other things are like almost cheat codes but they're all Mm -hmm. available to you right now and they vastly improve like the quality of the sensor input and i don't think anybody denies that i don't think even musk himself would deny that that combined sensor fusion produces a better pure data input stream right
1: right my guess here is that he kind of he needs to be testing this with people, right? With all of the cars that are out there because it's really popular. Teslas are really popular.
0: Most popular car in California now as of like two days ago or something. Yeah,
1: exactly. And like in order to get the data it needs to be able to improve this kind of system. So it's kind of, I don't want to say Catch-22, but, like, he couldn't, like, it's a cool science project, but it's probably that, like, this is a cheap and easy way, and actually a profitable way. Yeah, Cheekily, he charges these people to put their lives and the lives of other people at risk because no one else is, like, no other road users are saying okay to this, right? Right. Just so he can get all the data that's necessary to train these neural networks, which are probably pretty incredible neural networks. Like, they're using those to do other things in Tesla. I mean, so he says, who knows? But, yeah, so it's a bit... It's a Bit cheeky,
0: yeah. Well, cheeky is one way,
1: it's a nice way of saying, <laughs> yeah.
0: Because <that. laughs> if I'm like, as <laughs> you start laying it out like that, and I think about it, and I think this is true of many things that he does, like, he is a person who is concerned with large scale survivability, I guess, of the human race, right? Like, this is something he said repeatedly, mm-hmm. but he's also demonstrated repeatedly that in service of those goals, he's not necessarily concerned about particular individuals.
1: Got to crack a few eggs. Darryl, exactly. Got to crack a few exactly. eggs. Exactly.
0: He's making a big omelet. So, <laughs> yeah, it is It's astounding to think about. And I'm not trying to moralize. I'm just like, it is honestly just like a very academically interesting thing to see being played out in real life. But, I mean, on the other side, there's real implications. And I think that's where the regulars have to step in. And that's why, like, it's good to kind of see, to take some kind of action here after what seems like a couple of years. How long has autobiography been? Beta actually been out and on streets probably a couple of years now, right?
1: FSD? Yeah, um, yeah, it's been a few. Or autopilot? Autopilot's been around.
0: Autopilot's been around for a while, and that's like its own issue. But FSD itself yeah. has been out of like in beta form for at least a year and a bit, if not a couple of years.
1: 2020, 2020. October 2020 is when they started testing.
0: Yeah, so it's due. It's definitely due. And I think that at the very least, this is going to prompt them to understand that they are now under this kind of scrutiny. And that therefore, like steps made in future, you know, will be subject to this. You would hope. Right. And
1: I guess. But like, watch, this is going <laughs> to watch. They're going to be like, OK, the recall lasts a week. And then the OTA is uh, version 11. Yeah, Congratulations. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I, th- I just I think that Elon Musk has this very much like libertarian. I do what I want. Yeah. Fuck the regulators kind of ethos and i i'm curious how serious tesla will take this Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i i mean that's the big question for sure is how serious do they take it and then how able are regulators to deal with like the sort of pace of innovation that they said or the pace of at least like deployment of software updates like if they have to assess every one and then you're what are you like five versions behind and you're issuing a recall for something like it could get, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how they want to play it, it could be very complicated. And then you get into a situation where it's like, well, do you do a blanket stoppage? And then does that affect other car vendors and software vendors and things like that? But
1: yeah, well, as we know, government is consistently reactive. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And probably just, you know, a few more eggs will crack and then. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Thanks very much, Rebecca, for joining us. And I think, I don't know, there's not really a takeaway for li- readers, except if you see Teslas, just be extra careful out there on your drives. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, stay safe out there, yeah.
0: <laughs> people. Next, Aria Alamahodriy and I talk about why startups are going to war and sparking more investor interest. Hey, Arya, how's it going?
2: Good. How are you, Daryl? Good to be talking with you.
0: Yeah, doing well, doing well. So, The rest of the world isn't doing well, and yet that's an opportunity for some, uh, (laughs) as you've articulated.
2: Big business, yes. War is big business.
0: War is big business. So we're talking about this article you wrote for TechCrunch Plus, (laughs) Silicon Valley Goes to War, which is an excellent headline. It seems to center, I love this, I love this phrasing, too, that Andreessen has adopted Mm -hmm. for the summit that just happened, the American Dynamism Summit. Mm -hmm. Is it just a euphemism for war or is that just one of the things that it relates to?
2: I don't know exactly who coined the phrase American Dynamism. Catherine Boyle, who works at A16Z and I think kind of is one of the people heading up this new sort of focus area, wrote a very persuasive essay maybe a year ago now when they were announcing the fund, I think it's called Rebuilding American Dynamism or something like that. Mm. It's really like the investment thesis. And she talks about all the places where she sees American stagnation kind of Uh. infecting things like everything from, you know, housing to energy infrastructure to, as I write about in my piece, you know, supply chains and the defense industrial base. So it very much is not just focused on defense tech, but that is for sure one of the big areas that they're interested in. And, you know, one of the people I spoke to for the piece is David Ulovich, who's on the American Dynamism team. And he sort of said they take a more sort of capacious understanding of national security. So, like, what does mm. it mean to have national security? What is like national hardening? And it's not just defense, but it's these kind of other areas that I just mentioned.
0: Right. Yeah. Infrastructure and yeah, and it's some might call it protectionist if you were mm, to decry it in a pessimistic way. But I think
2: yes,
0: Ulovic, David, who follows me on Twitter, hi David. <laughs> uh, I follow him as well. But I think him and kind of like his peers would say it's like about independence and self reliance and being able to weather the storm as kind of international turmoil ra- wages or rages around you. Right?
2: right, and I think to that point. I didn't really touch on this in my story, which is um, unfortunate. Maybe it can be a follow-up or something. But really, I think we cannot overstate the degree to which the coronavirus pandemic really changed everything Mm. for this kind of, you know, Silicon Valley. It's not useful to really talk about as like a place anymore, but it can be useful as like a shorthand for a mentality or a way of thinking. The Silicon Valley mentality was immensely affected by COVID nineteen, in particular, the very real effects that it had on our supply chains, it kind of was revealed to the average person the degree to which lots of our essential products were dependent on these kind of international supply chains that are very fragile, yeah. that perhaps are located in, you know, countries that would be considered like a foreign adversary of the United States. So I think a lot of people just kind of woke up to At best,
0: a frenemy, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Actual adversary in many cases. Right, right.
2: So, you know, I think that had a huge influence on people really starting to shift towards this almost existential way of thinking. And I think it's sort of, it's a new way of looking at investing that we hadn't seen prior to 2020 with the start of the pandemic. Right.
0: Yeah. Now you do mention in there Anderell which is mm-hmm. Palmer Luckey's startup. So there used to be VR goggles boy but then he went on and became
2: um weapons boy. Yeah. I
0: don't, I don't know what I'm I doing. My, Oh, like boy uh, to man like <laughs> he grew up, right, right. Yeah, 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 he grew he grew up and then became he's he's like just very very concerned around this whole question, right? And that's essentially like uh, everything he shares on social media now is about that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's very much his focus. And he does the speaking tour and talks about it a lot too. Right. But it seems like he was a bit of a of the curve in this regard, but now it seems like there's more, you talk about Hadrian in here too, yeah. who is the best Roman emperor. Well, I don't think there's any debate about that. We all know <laughs> that, but.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to debate you on that. I know nothing about <laughs> <laughs> the comparative. usefulness uh, the Roman emperors. so sure. Yeah,
0: but what what is that startup all about, and where do they fit into kind of this picture?
2: Yeah, Hadrian. So we have sort of like the big defense primes, right? That most Mm -hmm. of us know of the like five or so that are out there. Sort of underneath all of those primes is this kind of sprawling network of machine shops that are often mom and pop that manufacture parts for them. So Mm. you know, if you're like like Honeywell or you know. Raytheon or something like that. You Mm -hmm. order parts from all of these machine shops. They're trying to build this kind of like automated machine shop factory of the future to solve this problem. So the problem really is that a lot of these, again, are mom and pop stores, very small. They don't have a what what's the word that chris power used in his they don't have anyone to like turn the keys over to so once these people no. retire you know they don't have a plan there's no
0: succession plan there's, there's no succession this...
2: plan yeah. yeah so that's kind of what they're targeting is like the defense industrial base mm. and i just thought it was super interesting that he opened his talk at this american dynamism summit talking about an existential risk like he's painting what? this as an existential risk again i think that's related to the pandemic Elsewhere in my story, I cite Alexander Wang, who is the CEO of Scale AI, yes. and
0: another friend of TechCrunch. In that, we've had him on podcasts and stuff. Before, okay, but shout out, yes,
2: <laughs> shout out. But he also talks in existential terms. Like he is very clear in this essay he wrote on his Substack that we are in a technological race against China. As it currently exists, we will fall, you know, desperately behind, and that mm. this is. This is to the ruin of America's future. You know, it's mm. not. It's not like things might be kind of bad. It's like things will be ruinous for the end of country. Roman
0: Empire. Yeah, type shit. And
2: I, I just, I see this language and this this way of thinking really just spreading amongst some, you know, founders and some investors. And I find it a really, it's, it just feels very new to me. Maybe it's not, yeah. but it, it feels quite new to me that it's in such stark terms that we're talking right. about like the stakes are so high and it doesn't the, the cynical way of thinking about it would be like well this is just like a narrative everyone every founder needs to have a compelling story and like this is just their story sure they're trying to raise money but there's something that feels that seems like very sincere right oftentimes behind this language and that does feel new
0: yeah so i think there has been a strain of it but i do think it's been sort of uh definitely at the margins right and like mm. You've seen that in some of the more like libertarian leaning personages and whatever in, in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and in the conceptual Silicon Valley that you're talking about. But I definitely think it's moving to center. And this mm-hmm. is, that's like what your article so well articulates is that this is now becoming kind of like a mainstream concern and a mainstream mm-hmm. motivator for both investment and company building. And I, yeah, I also think that it is genuine on behalf of the people participating in this. Like you said, the, the, a lot of it is story engine, right? Like a lot of what goes on in Silicon Valley is based around that. I think we saw that most recently and very clearly with like blockchain and Web3. Like that was essentially all built on a massive self-fulfilling and self-feeding kind of narrative, right? But yeah, this one does seem like it's got enough bases and kind of like reference in reality that there's something there, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it's just totally made up out of whole cloth, so.
2: Right, and there are things that just are fact, right? Like, one thing some of the sources talked to me about was just the speed with which a country like China adopts and develops new technology much, much faster than here in the United States. You know, you also write about space, you know, the speed with which they sent up and assembled their space station was absolutely phenomenal. Oh, yeah. You know, they have a space station now. It's crude. It's a crude space station. They are developing a rocket that a lot of people are calling like a Starship ripoff. Frankly, you know, I completely believe that they could launch that thing in the next, you know, couple of years.
0: They could be Elon to orbit, depending on how quickly he gets his shit together over there, right? Right. Like who knows? No.
2: Right. And so I, I think people are are taking note of this. It's a very real thing, and you know, comparatively, the defense industry you know, historically moves very slow and the space industry moves very, very slow. So I think there's a a shift on behalf of the customer, the customer, of course, being the DOD and the government. The customer is now showing, you know, much more willingness to move quickly, to purchase new technology, to work with younger companies, to work with startups, to work with companies that have never worked with the government before to facilitate these technologies getting into government hands, frankly.
0: Yeah, I think it's a similar impulse to the thing you described, like the fact that all that secondary, the supplier market for the defense industry exists in these sort of like distributed pockets across America that are very small town mom and pop shops. I think was by design, right? Like it was like, mm. oh, let's do this on purpose to like foster American innovation and like grassroots kind of like company building, and also just mm. like we will distribute our supply chain across all of America, so it benefits everyone economically. Like we've seen that in space too, right? A lot of a lot of the contractors and subcontractors are like mm-hmm. absurdly small shops. Like it'll be like a shop of ten people designed all of the spacesuits for all of the history of NASA's human spaceflight program. It's like what, like. Where are right. they? And, and it's because you
2: only, ha- you only had like like 60 astronauts ever.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know? It's true. They weren't making that many of them, frankly. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think it's like a similar impulse now is like, what is the machine available to us now? And it's like, not that old school entrepreneurial grassroots thing. It's this new high tech, fast moving, like startup engine. And so they, they're turning mm-hmm. to that, right? It is the, on the topic of like us falling behind, like, I think it is startling for some people to think about it that way, but it's not a new sentiment in the space industry either, right? Like we've been hearing that. Right. I can remember talking to Tori Bruno a few years ago about like, we are behind China. Like we are behind our enemies in the space Mm -hmm. war fighting domain, as they would call it. And people just don't even realize that we are yet, right? So I think that sentiment is there. Yeah. And and where are you going to look? You're going to look to the fast movers to try to help play catch up, right?
2: Right. And I think it reflects this willingness on the customer to change procurement and things like that reflects that war itself is changing.
0: Yeah, I have to. <laughs> there's a call of duty oh. quote, war oh, war my. never changes that if they're wrong, if I don't acknowledge the meme, then people will be mad on Reddit. But, yes, oh, okay. they are wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're totally wrong. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So DMJ Growth, they are one of the investors in Banifar Labs, and they wrote something very interesting about how war is changing. And they make a very good point that when you think about the war in terror, right? It's basically small groups of insurgents and like goat shepherds in mountains in Afghanistan that, of course, are equipped. You know, I I don't I don't mean to to dismiss them at all. They were very dangerous, and they were certainly equipped from other you know other countries gave them uh weaponry but that's a very different type of war fighting than what could potentially come in the future where there's more technologically advanced capabilities you know maybe there are things like drones will be more important automation ai and also things like cyber warfare Mm -hmm. you know war in space like i could totally see something happening where well, I I shouldn't I shouldn't speculate, but you know it's not unimaginable to imagine that there could be some sort of encounter in space that you know worsens tensions here yeah. on Earth, and so you know war is also changing, and I think the DoD is aware of that, and so they're looking to startups to sort of help arm themselves with more sophisticated technologies.
0: Yeah. And increasingly, they have strong support from the venture side. Like that is, the, yeah, they are their allies in right. terms of encouraging that and pointing people in that direction, right, when it comes to the portfolio companies. So, yeah. Right. And,
2: and I mean, I think like it should be emphasized that VCs are not, they aren't charities. They're trying to generate a return for their yep. LPs. That's why they exist. But it is interesting that, beyond all of the talk, like we need to defend America. It's like, this is now an industry where you can generate a a meaningful return, where you think you can generate a meaningful return for your LPs. And that is an interesting change. You know, for a long time, it was things like consumer enterprise that venture investing was really focused on, but we're now seeing, okay, maybe this is the next frontier before Silicon Valley. Definitely. We'll
0: see. Well, I'm sure you'll keep an eye on it and we all will because it's existentially necessary. But
2: uh <laughs> Right. I know. I mean, what could have been better for like worldview than balloon Games? Oh, I know. You know.
0: Well I got a lot of I got a lot of pitches in my inbox about people who are experts Did on you? balloons.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. Like if you're a balloon startup, you must be loving balloon gate, yeah. you know. So yeah. But We'll we'll keep an eye. We'll see what happens. Yes. But hopefully, hopefully, peace reigns, obviously.
0: Hopefully so, yeah. Yes. Thanks again. It's been great talking to you about this. And yeah, we'll look forward to more. All
2: right. Thanks, Daryl.
0: That's it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can read all of the stories we talked about at TechCrunch.com. TechCrunch early stage is coming up on April 20th in Boston. You can use code TCPOD, that's all one word, for 40% off founder and investor passes. And as always, check out all the other TC podcasts, including Found, Equity, Chain Reaction, and the TechCrunch Live podcast. We'll be back next week. The TechCrunch podcast is hosted by myself, managing editor Daryl Etherington. We're produced by Maggie Stamitz with editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator. Alyssa Stringer leads audience development. And Henry Pickovit manages TechCrunch's audio products. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.